this is it. We call for a ring, man. Nothing else don't matter, man. But he's coming today. That's what loyalty is. A two-time Super Bowl champion. Sometimes you may find yourself in the wrong place simply at the wrong time. A knife clean of DNA. And I asked him, um, who are you going to kill with this knife? And he said, is that the only thing you can do with the knife? I said, well, I know you're not going to cut tomatoes with it. So he got a little bit upset, and um, he said I was crazy. A white suit never found. And sports fans across the country turned on the TV today, but not for a game. Instead, they wanted to see the trial of Ravens linebacker Ray Lewis. The ESPN zone downtown was packed today as the murder trial unfolded on the big screen. The usual sports highlights were replaced by a real-life courtroom drama. 13 men. All eyes are focused on Atlanta tonight as both sides start laying out their case in the murder trial of Ray Lewis. It was a tale of two crime scenes today. The prosecution told the jury... Eight years in the making. I brought a lot of time to myself while I was incarcerated. So maybe what I went through actually saved my life. His lawyers say everything the Ravens One perfect season. Two times. Over 1,100 games played. But the prosecution says it has a trail of blood connecting Lewis to the victim. If, if there's something in your life that you know need changing, make sure you change before God changes. Because if he changes, you might not like it. A keeper league like no other. This is Ray Lewis Might Have Done It. Well, we're live and loud from the Loud Live studios here in Fayetteville, Arkansas. I'm Daniel Week, joined across the country in California, Quinn Carson. It is Tuesday, August 31st, 2021. We've got a wild and wacky double podcast for you today with features of both the Ray Lewis Might Have Done It League and the Vampire League, both in one podcast. You can only find that here on the Vampire Journals Podcast Network. Quinn, you ready for this marathon run today, baby? I'm totally ready. I'm so excited to have this partnered podcast with the Ray Lewis League. We're going to talk about you guys. Welcome to the Vampire. Please, if you enjoy this one, you got to check out a couple episodes from past Vampire Chronicles. We've got our two-part season finale that we went over. We're looking ahead. We're going to do a live draft coming up with the Vampire League, partnered with the Ray Lewis League, hopefully. And uh, that'll be done through Steven uh, next Sunday. And then... Uh, also, Daniel, I want to mention an episode, Cincinnati Magician is one of our favorite top listened to episodes. And if you haven't heard that one yet, it's a special Halloween episode from last year. And those of you that might be scared off by the average runtime of our podcast, be aware Cincinnati Magician clocks in at just over 17 minutes. So commute to work, an extended bowel movement, you can literally squeeze this episode in anywhere. Right. And, you know, it's important to note, too, that, like, you know, you can still play these episodes at 1.2, 1.3, 1.5, 1.6 speed. Absolutely. And talking about speed, we're going to get this episode kicked off 
And as mentioned at the beginning, we are going to dive into the Ray Lewis Might Have Done It League. Now, Quinn, this is a 12-team league consisting of people that have various ties to Stephen Fox, the former two-time vampire of Vampire League. This is a league that has slightly adjusted scoring from ESPN and Yahoo standard scoring. Uh, and for the last handful of years, we have a switched over to a keeper league in which each team gets to keep two players each season. Does that sound about right to you? That sounds correct. Uh, and if you remember, we left off last season um, with players like Stephen Fox and Chase Vickery uh, having huge winning percentage of 61, 62% winning percentages and seeing if they could survive all the way to the end of the season. But Daniel, that wasn't the case. Those people who have topped the Ray Lewis power, all-time power rankings, those people were not the guys that won the playoffs last year. Who won? <clears throat> yeah, so it's been a changing of guard over the last few years, and uh, nothing exemplifies that more than last season's playoff champion, It'd be balls in jeopardy. Tristan Weaver, the father of three, fathered his first championship trophy in the ninth year of the league's existence. Yes, Tristan, before uh, last season, had finished fourth place only twice in 2012 and 2019. And basically, this is uh, an amazing finish for him. Uh, Daniel, what was his record going through this season? Yeah, a pretty solid nine and four, which would have left him tied for second after the regular season ended. Of course, those uh, two teams tied for second were three games behind a 12 and one Daniel Week, helming big red L's. However, for the second consecutive season, a strong regular season showing led to a playoff exit earlier than desired. Very true, Daniel. You've had such a great time in this league. Uh, you're 50, you were, you were at 500 going into this last season. You're 54 and 53 and one of the only two players to be a part of a, a tie, two ties uh, in, in the regular season, which you tied Steven Trice in our inaugural season. So let's not forget about that amazing uh, happenstance that you guys fell into. But yes, you've placed second twice in 2017 2019 and you were roaring into the playoffs um but <clears throat> couldn't get it done yep and unfortunately that's when the uh that's when it comes pay time in fantasy leagues is at the end of the season in the playoffs so far we haven't been able to do that but this is a new season and you know what? That was, start, your, yeah. that was your fourth playoff appearance too. So you've you've made the playoffs almost half the time that the league's been around, and uh, still trying to look at the top. So to go a big review, all time review in the league, we've got several champions: um, Chase Vickery, Stephen Fox, a three time champion; Quinn Carson, Chase, Derek Babb, Kyle Russell, all one time champions with top four finishes, at least three top four finishes, and then Daniel. You finished three times in the top two, or two times in the top four, and four playoffs appearances. And then that takes me to Andy, who in the all-time power rankings was ranked eighth, and he found his way to the championship this year. And uh, so that might be affecting some stuff. Now these people that have won championships years ago, like myself, are going to really need to actually win some games in the uh, new decade, or we're just going to have to, we're going to start dropping down in the all-time power rankings. Yeah, definitely. Much like Johnny Bananas postseason 30 of the challenge, uh, you can't run on your laurels forever. And that is a laurel pun Laurel, for laurel that's a laurel Stucky. Pun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
but yeah, you know, uh, as we as we get deeper and deeper along the timeline for the Ray Lewis League, uh, you know, those championship and banner seasons of yesteryear uh, are further and further in the distance. It's show me now league, uh, and you're gonna have to prove it this season. And when we get to the start of any season, the first thing you're gonna do is draft. And so what we referred to earlier is that uh, for probably the past, I don't know if you have the number, Quinn. I'd say four years or so. This has been a two-player keeper league, meaning every team selects two players to carry over onto their roster from the previous season. Essentially, this brings our snake format draft uh, into a round three beginning. Uh, is that uh, pretty much what you would uh, describe for the keeper system, Quinn? Yeah, you know, and and as you know, as. Uh fantasy theorists as we are i would say that you know one of these rule changes is a slow development towards i think ultimately an auction league um i enjoy keepers but i think yeah i see it as as a, an interesting draft style to then sort of start like a third round uh situation so it's different than regular leagues in which you might be attempting to grab some of the top talent but really for me my top talent starts you know 25 20 25 players down to see like if i know who those are the best options and available to pick up are. yeah it definitely and we alluded to it uh, before the podcast started uh you know the people that you're really identifying at the top of the draft in a league like this is either your really really high-end players at non-premium positions with so quarterback or tight end or emerging rookies or young players uh, that for whatever reason were not eligible or didn't show up in the draft last season. So running back like Najee Harris from Pittsburgh, a quarterback like, uh, you know, Lawrence out of Jacksonville or Justin Fields. These are players that you can take with a certain level of excitement because they've got a youth to them and, and you know, the possibility that you could be using this player for a long time to come. And a great example, one that's real to our league is James Robinson. Uh, James Robinson is not in the level of keepers for uh, our league. I believe the person who, who elected to take James Robinson last year off the waiver wire, I believe he's already set with his keepers. So a person like James Robinson is a, another gamble to see if he can do it again. He's probably not going to do it again. But the idea that like he blew up last year, he potentially could have been a keeper or someone that you wanted to see if they developed as a rookie might even still be draftable again this year as like a flyer or someone who's going to be a flex or a, or a bench player for your running backs to see if they develop it. Mm -hmm. And you and I, we also kind of discussed identifying just, you know, essentially two different types of uh, draft strategies for this league. You know, one a more forward looking uh, long term draft process where you lean more towards young players uh, or a win now mentality slash value mentality where, you know, I think a big question is who do you value more, James Robinson or Najee Harris? And I think that if you're looking for somebody to immediately produce numbers out of the gate, we can at least say James Robinson has done it before. He did it last year. No matter how good uh, a lot of people, including myself, think Najee Harris is going to be, uh, we, we have not seen him do it in a regular season game and we're still not completely sure how effective the Steelers offense is going to be. So I think that kind of encapsulates the idea of you draft him for now or you draft him for the future. And I think that a lot of these teams, 
Uh, I've been there, you know, before this past two seasons, I was in the middle of the pack or worse for about a four season run. And I think we've got to, you know, when we're in that position, you got to make the decision, uh, the hard decision to say, all right, uh, I'm going to go ahead and suck this season, but I'm going to make sure that two years down the road, uh, I'm somebody that's a, a constant playoff for us. Yeah. And that goes back into keepers and who you decide to keep this year or who you decided to keep the previous year and the ramifications of what trades you made throughout the year. If those trades involved keepers, um, and that just gets us into talking about the list. I kind of wanted to jump in and start with, you know, me as an example, just to show you how we might sure. think about it or um, break it down today. You know, but speaking of banana, let's jump in and see what newest movie coming out this weekend looks like before we get to the keepers. Coming up after this. <laughs> Blade One, which Robert Ebert gave three out of four stars and grossed $70 million domestically and over $131 million worldwide, is now available to own on Laserdisc. Well, Quinn, along with that movie, a lot more have been rolling out into theaters this summer for the first time in a while. Uh, Tell me, you're out in the big city, Hollywood. What's your take on the movie theater industry? And do you feel comfortable going to a theater to see a premium movie? You know, Daniel, um, I risked it and I went to a theater the other day, but it was to go see uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Ah, Johnny Depp. I love him. So good. <laughs> yeah. No, no, to see that original film was really cool. I love theaters. I'll tell you, everybody's like scared shitless in this town in general. And we lost our best one, in my opinion. One of the best ones that was like most Starlight. classic. Uh, yeah, the the Cine- Cinerama, which was Cinerama. this. Yeah, it was this yeah. really cool domed theater that was in Hollywood that shut down. So, you know. Well, speaking I, of shut down, <laughs> I'm going to end that conversation and jump to the next one. Quinn, you took, a, you took a look at each team's roster ahead of the draft that's coming Sunday, September 5th. Uh, let's take a quick peek at what each team should do, what we think they might do, and how good or bad of a position these teams seem to be before draft day. Yeah, and like I decided to take upon myself to join AMC's ticket-like <laughs> membership. <laughs> Go and, uh, on. Yeah. And so when we went to Willy Wonka, like I I became a silver member. So I paid like ten a ten ten dollars to them or whatever. But I'll like after three movies, like the the you saving from the online fees basically pays for that third movie. You know, you save that money and then you start to get popcorn and drink upgrades, like automatic. Um, so you know, I'm trying to support the movie industry for sure. Yep, you know. Those millionaires need all the help they can get. This summer, in their strongest installment yet, lies a romance between man and woman. Pursued, chased, forced to own up to their feelings, these two must join together forever and ever. Lifetime presents Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back.
it's interesting you talk about an upper hand because when you engage in trade negotiations, um, you know, you think that everything's going fine. And then one thing goes wrong. One thing goes wrong. And then another. And another. And you try and fight back. But the harder you fight, the deeper you sink. So you can't move. Can't breathe. Because you're in over your head. Like quicksand. That's some deep shit, Shane. Some deep shit. Anything else you're afraid of? Going back to the mini mart, the shipping yard, the auto plant. Prison. Yeah, all right. I'm Larry Fisher Sr. And I'm Larry Fisher Jr. And here at Fisher VCR Repair, we know that family means something. Like family means fixing a VCR. Everybody remembers those homemade moments, family moments recorded, or the sex tape you recorded with your first wife. Everybody needs something to watch something on. Fisher VCR Repair. Number one in family... Number one in service. And we're back. Daniel, we're talking keepers. We wanted to start with my team first. That'd be this train is bound for glory. Perhaps this train's bound for a name change too this year uh, to shake things up. Whatever can get the the general manager juices flowing for this league. I'd love to turn it around. I uh, have basically five guys that I had to choose from between my keepers. That would be Lamar Jackson, Austin Eckler, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Deontay Johnson, and Keenan Allen. And I'm going to take both running backs, which is going to be a theme for what I think is the move because of how valuable running backs are. And with the idea of keepers, it's so challenging to, to develop and to pick up running backs that will develop into the highest tier, which are all going to be kept anyway. So I'm trying to keep my running backs, and I think Lamar Jackson, Deontay Johnson, and Keenan Allen are going to be in the draft. So, yeah, I was. it's funny that you didn't hear me. We should cut this out. It'll be funnier this way. But I was, like, literally asking. I was giving you a breakdown, leading you into describing Sam's team, and you just, like, jumped in and started talking about your team. And I thought you were doing it intentionally. I, I was like, damn, this is like good shit. And so like I finished like leading into you talking about Sam's team and you just kept talking about your team. I was like, man, this is like some good stuff here. Okay. Well, I was so, impressed. Yeah. You did it well. So, um, you, so you know where we're at. So you Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So um yeah, you I'll said follow, but I'm yeah, pulling so, up Sam's stats then. Well, so yeah, you were talking about two running backs those are who you're gonna take Mm -hmm. um next on the bill daniel is sam king cannon team kissing cousins baby yeah so sam i see over the last three seasons finished with three and ten record finished with two and eleven record finished with a four and nine record 
we we all know that football might not be Sam's number one priority, but what does he need to do ahead of the draft and then in the draft to turn that frown upside down and get in the winning record? <clears throat> well, Sam's in a great place. He's got a lot of cool talent. I'm going to put it that way. He's got cool talent. Um, but he's going to have to keep using his phone throughout the- <laughs> Throughout the year, if he could just use his phone, I think that he's got a really great chance. He should keep Tyreek Hill, and 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 the next spot is debatable. Uh, but Tyreek Hill, you know, wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs, is amazing, and super someone that he should keep for his keeper league. You know, until Tyreek is probably done with his career. I mean, Tyreek's just going to be amazing. Um, but his top three other options for his final keeper spot are Kyler Murray, Miles Sanders, and Robbie Anderson. I think his best move is only retaining one running back as a keeper. With that in mind, he can start to do some research on who the possible running backs that might be available who are after the top 15. You know what I'm saying? I think that's something that he needs to look into for the draft. And if he knows some of these mid-tier uh, running backs that would be good and available to go from. He could put together Miles Sanders, Tyreek Hill, one of these solid core, uh, running backs, and then start to build his receiver core behind one of the best receivers in the game. So he's on the way. We'll see. Time will tell. Sam, just use your phone. And speaking of app, what's the next appetizing team on your menu? Well, you know, Daniel, honestly, we started with the final season standings uh, with me since I finished dead last after the playoffs, going four and nine last season. Um, Losing by the highest margin, too. I'd say if you're losing by a big number, that's not a good sign. But let's go to the second to last uh, person last year after the playoffs in 11th place. That was Justin Simpson, Jay Moneybags. He finished sixth and seven last year. Uh, he almost had a playoff team, basically, but he ended up in the consolation bracket and uh, lost those games there. But he's got two great keepers um, in Travis Kelsey and CeeDee Lamb, his wide receiver who's hopefully hoping for a breakout season with the Dallas Cowboys. And obviously, Travis Kelsey, one of the best tight ends in the game. Da-da-da, other notable people is really interesting for Justin. Uh, we're going to have a developing story on this later, but he... Uh... We'll be back after this momentary break. Bowling memories are made at Ozark Lanes in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Come out to Ozark Lanes and provide the community of Fayetteville and the surrounding areas with bowling fun, entertainment for the last 50 years. Grab something to eat, drink, cold beverage at the cafe, roll a few balls, or just come and roll yourself. Or just get lost in the game room. No matter what, who, when, why, or where, you can find something to keep yourself entertained at Ozark Lanes. Ozark Lanes has 40 synthetic bowling lanes, all with bumpers, and it's the second largest bowling alley in Arkansas. We host league play for all ages, ranging from 3 to 133. That's right, 133. Ozark Lanes is also the perfect place to hold family reunions, company parties, school field trips, birthday parties and daycare outings. And along with the full-service pro shop, we also have a full-service cafe serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner. 
on your next family outing or night out with your friends, come on in because wouldn't you rather be bowling at Ozark Lanes? Hey, and yep. we're back. Daniel, what's your highest bowling score ever? So I've broken 200 one time. I don't remember the exact score. I don't think it was even at 220, though. So it's more between maybe 205 and 213. I like it. Do you remember anything that got you there in particular that day? Uh, it's funny you ask because uh, I recently had surgery on my nose to remember uh, to remove a cancerous growth. And uh, it, they, they kind of banged up my nose pretty good. I was on uh, hydrocodone and uh, had a friend drive a group of us to the bowling alley. So uh, not that I'm condoning recreational use of painkillers. Opioids are bad business. But I was on like a hydrocodone and probably like four Miller lights. And I rolled, yeah, broke 200 in bowling. <laughs> That's amazing. That's kind of like that guy who threw a perfect game on acid. Doc Ellis, yeah. Exactly. Follow. Follow. Follow, follow, follow. Follow us on many different platforms, including Anchor, Spotify. We're also brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Follow Stitcher, soon to be Apple Podcasts. Again, that's Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher. Google Podcast, soon to be Apple Podcast, soon to be Follow, follow Follow, follow, follow Apple Podcast Especially favorite us on the Anchor app And if I were to say more I would say that should follow us because we're integral to the point factual we're just here to do the right thing and we're back with the second part of the podcast i'm joined in the loud live studios with quinn carson you ready for this marathon to kick onto its second leg i just don't know like are you the vampire right now am i talking to the guy that could like steal a player from me or am i talking to like a dude that likes fantasy like what in baby quinn come on baby you can trust me you can trust me i just don't know you want to draft and i'll tell you if it's a good idea or not yeah right the vampire league draft is coming up sunday september 5th at six o'clock central time follow and we're back with part two of the Marathon Podcast. We've got <laughs> Quinn and myself live in the Loud Live studios. Quinn, this is our third time trying this take. You think we've got what it takes to get this podcast done this time? I think we do. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this on my shoulders and my computer's battery. Um, it actually is starting to pop out of the bottom of the computer these days. I need to get it in and get it replaced pretty bad. So and speaking of replaced, each of the five teams that aren't the vampire are going to be replacing last year's squad with a new set of cronies this Sunday. 
This Sunday is the annual auction draft for the Vampire League. We're going to cover what that specifically entails, and as well as a couple of uh, alterations from last season to this season. Quinn, leading off the bat, a big change that was locked into place just a couple of hours ago. The roster size for each team has been expanded by one additional slot. Uh, what does that mean for the five people going against the vampire? And uh, what do you think that means for me in my attempt to draw blood this season? Cool. So official number of roster spots now goes from what to what again? From 16 to 17. Nice. I like that. Well, um, first thought is obviously that kind of rounds it up to like the top 85 um, players. Uh, from the league, not necessarily the top ranked in, in like ADP or something like that, but in terms of the best kickers living up there and defenses and quarterbacks and running backs and tight ends, wide receivers, the top 85 are potentially going to be away from the vampire after he gets to decide his roster via the waiver wire, which happens after the draft. Because the whole idea is that you, Daniel, are the vampire this year and you will not get to draft in the auction for your squad, you'll have to wait for all of us to cover 85 roster slots before you get to pick one single person. Um, and with that in mind, uh, we are not allowed to use the waiver wire, so we're stuck with those players. So I think it's gonna give us a breathing room um, due to COVID, so it's gonna help us, and it's potentially gonna slow the vampire's development, especially if we make correct decisions in the draft, if, if there's crazy decisions or things that don't work in our favor or, or in worst case scenario for everybody in real life and in fantasy, one of these players gets hurt for a really long time and becomes unusable inside the van, the vampire league. It's, you know, it's going to be um, a way for the vampire to, to build up. Sure. It's going to be interesting to see if you guys fill that extra spot with additional uh, premium position players, or if you choose to balance out the roster, be it additional kicker, additional tight end, uh, it's really curious, you know, if you look at the, uh, you know, let's take a quick look at what the restrictions are um, for the draft itself. Uh, limit for quarterback, uh, four total quarterbacks can be taken by one team. Uh, Robbie has been the closest to that with three last year. With running back and receiver, eight would be the maximum. And I think that's a cool thought exercise to think about if you were to take eight running backs or eight wide receivers, how you try and fill out the rest of your team. Of course, the benefit to an auction, which we should now say, according to ESPN Fantasy, is referred to as a salary cap draft. Uh, you have the opportunity for any single player that you want. You, you, you don't have to cross off uh, a fifth of the league just because, you know, due to draft order, you're, you're never going to get that player. You know, you can bid on that player as long as you have the money to do so. Um, so I think it would be really cool to see if somebody tried to max that out and do eight running backs or eight white receivers. Um, Quinn, what, what's your take on that? You, uh, you think there's any possibility that somebody's going to max out one of those three spots? You know, um, I definitely don't see anybody taking four quarterbacks to max out that position. I could see myself being weird and trying to buy, say, two of the top tight ends in the game. Like what if I purchase both Kittle and Kelsey or Kittle and Waller, Kelsey and Waller, something like that. And then actually ended up buying a, a third tight end at the end and attempting to 
you know, work my way towards masking out a tight end position with the idea of playing them in the flex, you know, going hard in there, mm-hmm. like maybe overbalancing a roster by going hard there. It's possible. Do I see someone getting eight wide receivers? I just don't know if they'll have the money for that. Cause I feel like since we're in such a small league, the price for these guys will go so high and we only have $200 to spend. I just think that someone will buy too good of a wide receiver early to then have enough money to keep buying like one and $2 wide receivers through the end of it. If they already end up, if they spend more money to another position, but I just think that I've in the past, I've had an issue with trading tight, uh, trading wide receivers later in this league, Daniel. Um, I think that if anybody should max anything out, like maybe the safest bet is just to max out running backs. Yeah. I think that's the only, uh, possible scenario that really makes any sense from a leverage standpoint and from a talent standpoint. Uh, but you said it, you know, the biggest uh, hurdle uh, to that path is the $200 salary limit for each team. Uh, if you look at ADP, your top running backs like Christian McCaffrey are going somewhere in the high fifties to uh, low sixties. Uh, and those numbers can vary from our league, just in a difference uh, from a 10 person league to a six person league. Um, but the moral of the story, you know, how it's shaped out every season so far is that, you know, sure, the first three or four people really get somebody that they want. But a lot of times you've, you've handcuffed yourself from a flexibility standpoint if you go big on more than, the you know, three of the first top six players. Um, so you really have to uh, you have to find some sort of balance and accord there or else you're really going to be hurting when you're establishing your depth later on in the draft. Yeah. And in this league too, with the potential of you losing one of your best players on the roster from one week to another, because of playing the vampire once or twice in the season, I personally think that you would only buy big with that fear but then I think because you buy big, you put yourself in a better position to have a more, you know, what do they call it? like a stars and scrubs mm-hmm. situation where like if you're going up against the vampire in a vampire league in an auction draft and you go stars and scrubs where you spend all your money on some stars and then one to two dollar purchases the rest of the way. I think that's really fearful because if you lose that one crucial game, then like one of your stars that you spend all your money on is like gone forever, you know. Yeah your scrubs um, and scrubs on yeah pretty much and then you're and you've are and you lose like legs off a bar stool as opposed to like seeing that like once you lose like someone from to the vampire it's been huge like over these three years that we've had these seasons like each season there's been de- devastating losses that either were surprises or not surprises and they just crippled teams you know in the league for the rest of the season you know so um if i was to think about getting as many or really loading up in one particular position like the running back my last thought is just to yeah like remember that we're a six-person league we've only got five people purchasing so there's only a thousand dollars being spent and in some senses like if you can wait past one round of you know quote-unquote five people being purchased whether it goes you know evenly or not like if you can wait for those first five people i think you then have a way different position at buying still like some of the best players in the league. You could still get, you know, you could still maybe get Devonte Adams after five people. Um, you know, Saquon Barkley might even still be around after the first five, you know, stuff like that. Like, I don't know. I think that Robbie really was a really cool 
and forward thinker last year getting three quarterbacks. Because we just weren't used to anybody rattling the cage because we only had two years of experience. But he might be the first person, he's going to go down in history as one of the pioneers, you know, of our league. Yep. Never thought I'd hear the words Robbie and Pioneer used together in a complimentary way. But uh, hats off to Moose Corway. Good for you, bud. I'm Larry Fisher Sr. And I'm Larry Fisher Jr. And here at Fisher VCR Repair, we know that family means something. Like family means fixing a VCR. Everybody remembers those homemade moments, family moments recorded, or the sex tape you recorded with your first wife. Everybody needs something to watch something on. Fisher VCR Repair. Number one in family, number one in service. Um, I'm the only person that's going to give you an on-the-record preview of their draft strategy for the auction draft uh so my strategy is to draft players that are either third string quarterbacks uh free agents that are still draftable uh injured for the season players that aren't coming back players like that so that way um i'm not bidding players that other players are interested in i'm not driving up a price for somebody that quinn might be sleeping on or hoping that other people are sleeping on for that matter um Mm -hmm. so uh my best strategy and we've seen steven do this in past years is just to keep my nose clean of anybody that's even remotely draftable um and to fill out my roster with those one dollar players as fast as i can so also my computer you know sometimes the computer does strange things so you know that way uh my computer doesn't start aggressively auto drafting uh players at the end or anything we don't want anything like that um so yeah that's my strategy is just to find the players that have zero percent chance of being drafted otherwise yeah really it's like if we had our if we had our choice we would have a five person draft you know like sort of window and then he would like join the league after the draft and have to just use the waiver wire but since he has to be a part of the draft that's probably the healthiest way to do it because just the last bit about it would be like the moment if we're in the kickers and everybody's got a couple bucks left and they can only spend one dollar on each of the positions they have left to fill and then the vampire comes in and selects a kicker that you wanted well now you can't even bid against it because you don't have that two dollars to use so just getting you the opportunity to be the one to offer up that name for one dollar is sort of like a great example and in another way i'd say if you pick say like saquon barkley like really early or like you know someone that we all wanted to get i don't think 
that would hurt too many buddies, too many people's feelings. But it's when you get into the middle rounds, when people might have a lot of money or no money left, and you start putting in people of value or people of no value, and sort of trying to force people that we might not even want in the vampire league into the league. You know, like someone, like if you yeah. offered someone that's sort of biddable, like say Robbie Anderson, like we don't really need him, but we might have him in the league, you know, by the end of it. Yeah. But like, we don't want to be force fed. Yeah. don't want the vampire to happen. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah exactly. For a dollar. And yeah, that's where like it hurts. The opportunity cost hurts more than getting the actual player. It's like, well, you know, it hurts. <laughs> it hurts more that Robbie Anderson was going for a dollar to the vampire than if I got him for two dollars, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but anyway, like it's going to be a fun draft in that sense. And and again, we got five players to do it. So yeah, and uh, just wrapping up, talk about the league itself. Quinn, you said before the podcast started, you had a question for the vampire. I'm assuming you want me to get in vampire mindset right now, if it's right. Yeah, definitely want to hear your vampire mindset. Actually, to keep it connected to the Ray Lewis League, Daniel, if you had two keepers to keep from your squad from last year, mm-hmm. who would you keep? Okay. Number one keeper here. I just really, I got to go with Josh Allen. I just think he provides such a solid baseline of consistent points, consistent scoring, uh, contributes with his arm and his leg. And uh, Buffalo seems like they're going to pick up where they left off last season, personally. Um, Austin Eckler, great running back, but uh, injury questions after last season. Nick Chubb, excellent running back, doesn't catch a ton of passes. Um, and so those were the top two running backs. Saquon Barkley, I need to see him healthy. I guess Christian McCaffrey, actually. Uh, I just didn't even get to roster him in a, a starting spot at all last season, so I'm sleeping on that. So, um, And you can also McCaffrey see... McCaffrey one, Josh Allen two, I would say. And in a crazy way, I mean, like, think about that number. It's, what do you have? You had Chubb, Saquon, and McCaffrey. Um, how much did you spend on those guys? I... On, Chubb and McCaffrey, I spent zero dollars. I didn't draft either of them. I acquired them in trades. Amazing. Uh, Saquon Barkley was a big spend, so it hurt when he went down for the season. Um, but Austin Eckler was a running back. That's exactly what you described about waiting for that top top elite tier to be drafted, and then you can find somebody in the next slot down uh, for a discounted price. I got Austin Eckler at a really fair price. Um, $33. Yeah, versus say like 56, 60 bucks or something. Uh, for Saquon Barkley, I spent $57. Yeah. Same thing with Stefan Diggs, somebody who I waited for the wide receiver one uh, tier to be picked up. And then I ended up with the number three receiver in all of fantasy last year. Guess how much I got him for, Quinn? Who? Stefan Diggs. I'm going to say six bucks. I got Stefan Diggs for $1. Oh my God. It's a perfect example of why the vampire should keep his nose clean of anybody with even as within a stone's throw of fantasy relevance. Cause uh, exactly like you said, I could have been in a scenario where I did not have a second dollar to bid on him. Uh, so uh, yeah, that is probably one of the biggest reasons that I was uh, successful last year. I got him and I got Josh Allen. $2 for the number one fantasy quarterback and the number three fantasy wide receiver last year. That's great. Yeah. Well, that's just a little bit of fun. Taking a look at what's ahead on draft day, taking a look at how the rules have changed 
Speaking of change, the season schedule has changed from last year to this year. It's been completely rewritten. That will be released this Sunday, September 5th, approximately one hour prior to draft time. So excitement for all you guys in the league, as you can see who you're matching up with throughout the year. We've got that coming up. And uh, speaking of coming up, our big segment for the day, we're going to break down the Vampire Stampire's top 15 fantasy players by uh, by position, excuse me, heading into this season's draft. And then we're going to ask Quinn Carson how that compares to players from the MTV's The Challenge and what position he sees those competitors fitting into in a fantasy landscape. That and more coming up after this. 